Praise the Lord, everybody. This is Pastor Fields here, and we're here again on this Wednesday evening to join with you, everyone here in Washington, D.C. at the Greater Refuge Temple and those who are a part of the Refuge Temple Annex in the Bronx, New York, and all of our friends, those who have been connecting with us weekly. Uh, we're coming together again to go into God's holy word. And I'm grateful he is yet keeping us. He is yet allowing us to see mornings, new mornings, new mercies, grace upon grace. And I don't know how you feel about it, but I feel good in my soul. I want you to know even before I go into the word that I love you all so much. I want to give you time um, to go in, or I should say to come in. Uh, some of the saints are still connecting. want to give you time. Uh, I see them coming in. Come on in to the Lord's house. Uh, we're joining together in the word of God. And um, I want you to know that these are certainly trying times, yes. But God is still blessing. He's still saving. He's still delivering. People are getting baptized and delivered, even in the midst of a pandemic. Well, we're getting ready to go into the word of the Lord. I see more of the saints coming in. And so let's get started, shall we? Let's have a word of prayer. Father, in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, we're so grateful. Yet another day, yet another opportunity for us to come together in worship and in studying and talking about your word. Feed us tonight, I ask. Touch our hearts, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord bless you. Now, as you know, those of you who have been connecting with us, that we have been in the series. I uh, told you uh, two weeks ago that we were starting a three-part series dealing with the second coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And this will be our third and final installment in this series, unless the Lord leads me to go further. Uh, but uh, the first installment, the title of the lesson was, Today Could Be the Day. And that still applies. Every day you get up, you ought to say, Today could be the day that my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ comes uh, to bring his church home. The second lesson, uh, we talked about the promise of his coming. Where is the promise of his coming? Uh, from the very beginning, uh, Peter said, uh, people have been scoffing and ridiculing, talking about this great event that's going to happen. Where is the promise? Why is it taking so long? And we got into that lesson. And tonight will be the third and final installment. Now, I want you to know that the notes uh, to my lessons, my lesson plan and everything, you have access to that uh, online. Yes, you do. Uh, on the announcement, you should be able to click on that and the notes to the lesson will come up. You can download it or you can print it out and you'll have the actual lesson in your hand. And by all means, those of you who teach or preach or minister, if you'd like to use it, feel free to use that lesson. Uh, it's the word of God. 
take it and use it. You can use it for study. Uh, you could use it to teach yourself. Be my guest. Uh, spread the word. The Lord is coming. Now, I want to talk um, a little bit further. This is our third installment. And as you know, we've been talking about the second coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we have taught previously on living holy, being holy. And I, I want to spin off of that as we approach uh, this, the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, from this standpoint. And tonight I want to talk about the kind of people we ought to be. The kind of people we ought to be. And I'm still in uh, the second epistle of Peter. Second Peter chapter 3, verses 10 through 18. It's an important lesson. Uh, because Peter doesn't just talk about the fact that uh, the Lord is coming. Not only is he coming for us, but he's coming with us. Uh, the rapture, when he comes for us. The second advent, when he comes with us. The first advent was when he came to die on the cross for my sins and your sins. An advent, when our Lord's feet actually touched the earth. Hallelujah. Rapture when he meets us in the air hallelujah and the Thessalonians says and thus shall we ever be with the Lord so the advent again when the feet touch ground Jesus will touch the earth again first time was when he died on the cross he came to die for my sins and your sins rose on the third day hallelujah 40 days after the Holy Ghost fell, then he would ascend on into glory uh, to be in glory with this Father. According to the word of God, he sat on the right hand of the throne. That's when the Holy Ghost fell, on the day of Pentecost, when the day of Pentecost had fully come. We have in church already, aren't we? The Advent is when he comes with us. After that rapture period, we'll be with the Lord. Hallelujah. Then there'll be tribulation period. Remember when we taught on this. And after the tribulation period is over, he will come with us. Set up his millennial kingdom upon the earth. Thousand years. Yes. And I don't want to go too deep into it. I might, I might change the lesson and go into the book of Revelation. Uh, but I just wanted you to know for tonight's purposes, the difference between the rapture when he comes for us and Advent when he comes with us. Uh, but in preparation, because we want to make the rapture, we want to be with the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to talk about uh, what kind of people, the kind of people that we ought to be. <laughs> um, and, and in some cases, in, as we soul search and as we do inventory, we may find uh, that we have some coming up to do. Not just you, but me, the people of God. We have some preparing to do. I'm not sure if we are as ready as we say we are. But let's go on to the word. Let's hear what uh, the Apostle Peter had to say. Second Peter um, chapter 3. Verses 10 through 18. Listen to these words. Chapter 3, 2 Peter. want to give you time to get there. 2 Peter chapter 3. And I'll begin reading at verse number 
10. Let's read. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. So according to Peter and what he's teaching us, all of this is going to be done away with. And even Jesus told uh, those who asked in the temple, tell us the signs of the end. Uh, they were showing off the temple and Jesus started off before he got into his lesson that not one stone of this building will be left. It's all going to be wiped away. Uh, so Peter continues, seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens, being on fire, shall be dissolved? Remember, we read it last week, heaven and earth shall pass away. And the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for the new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. And John said in the book of Revelation, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Wherefore, I'm in verse 14 now, chapter 3 of 2 Peter. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found in of him rather in peace without spot and blameless. An account that the long suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul also, according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you. It's not the first time you've heard about the coming of the Lord and these things happening. Paul told you too through his revelations that were given to him. And Peter says now in verse 16, chapter 3 of 2 Peter, as also in all his epistles speaking in them of these things in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware, lest ye also, being led away with the terror of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. But grow in grace <laughs> and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Man. So um, in these verses, let's get into it. In these verses, Peter emphasizes the belief uh, in that great truth. And it is the truth uh, concerning the second coming of our Lord. Uh, and it should be an incentive uh, to live a holy life. This is, whole, this is Peter's whole message. The fact that Jesus is coming back to get us. And that our Lord and Savior Jesus wants us to be with him. This should be an incentive for us to live holy and to be dedicated to our service in the kingdom. No half-stepping, no half-doing, giving God all. Because you know there's a reward for our labor and our trusting in him. And our hope, and you've heard that over and over again. Our hope is to one day be with the Lord. If we believe that Jesus Christ is coming again, then this should affect our 
behavior. This is what Peter is talking about. If you believe he's coming, then it should affect our behavior. Following references that I'm going to give you. Um, hallelujah. And the following references I want to give you scripturally. And we're going to stay in the word of God. I'm not going to give you my opinion. Um, the following references of our Lord's return is linked uh, with the question of conduct, two things, conduct and service. The fact that he's coming again is linked to our conduct, our behavior, how we live, our lifestyle. Yes, hallelujah. None but the righteous shall see God. Uh, there's a danger here because I think many people in the church feel that what we say and what we teach is cliche-ish, it's passe it's old-fashioned, but the truth is Jesus is coming, and we should be ready when he comes, uh, and we should live like we believe that he's coming again. Uh, listen, Luke chapter 12, verse 43. I want to get into the scriptures. Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Doing what? Serving him? Working in the kingdom? Yes. He should find us working in the kingdom, occupying till he comes and doing what he has called us to do. First Corinthians 4 and 5. Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the heart. And then shall every man have praise of God. God's going to deal with every hidden thing. Those things that are hidden in us, if you've been harboring anything. Now, this is important. This is serious. Uh, some of us have been holding on to things for years and you need to let go of it. Don't let anything hinder you from seeing your Jesus. Philippians 1 and 10. My Lord, and we're talking about those things that are connected uh, to the coming of the Lord as it relates to my conduct and my service, my behavior, how I live and how I serve in the kingdom. Now we're in Philippians chapter 1 verse 10. Come on and follow me. Go with me. That ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense. <laughs> this is how we should live. In sincerity, and do your best not to offend people and God. Holiness without, right? No man shall see the Lord. But before it says that, it says, follow peace with all men. Here, Paul is saying in Philippians that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere without offense. How long? Until the day of Christ. Uh, don't live holy part-time you gotta we have to maintain we have to live holy every day colossians chapter 3 verses 2 through 5 set your affection on things above not on things on the earth now that's a tough scripture uh, because a lot of people have anchored their affections here on the earth but paul said if all i have to look forward to is what i have here um and he said, if we have nothing but this to look forward to, then we are men most miserable. He continues to say in Colossians chapter 3, verses 2 
through 5. I'm in verse 3 now. For ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear. He's my life and he shall appear. Then shall ye also appear with him in glory. That's powerful. He's going to appear and when he comes to get me, I will appear with him in glory. So, knowing this, he says, then mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. Fornication, uncleanliness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, covetousness, which is idolatry. So he says, knowing this then, mortify the deeds or your members here on the earth. Stop fornicating. Stop all of the uncleanliness. Inordinate affection, that's homosexuality and lesbianism. Yeah, evil concupiscence. Yeah, that's, that is a distortion. Evil concupiscence goes deeper into a lot of devious things. Uh, and he's talking to the saints. Stop living like the world. Stop doing whatever you want to do. And prepare for the coming of the Lord. And get rid of your idols. <laughs> saints still have idols. People still have idols. Yes, they do. Some of us idolize things. Some of us idolize people. So... That's another lesson. Second Timothy 4 and 1 says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Titus, Paul writes again, Titus in the book of Titus chapter 2 verses 11 through 13, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men and teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. This is how we should behave. In this present world, while we're here, this is the kind of people we ought to be. Hallelujah. As it relates to the fact that Christ is coming, these are the kind of people he should find when he returns. We should be denying ungodliness and worldly lust. We should be living soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope <laughs> and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. James gets involved in this conversation. The book of James chapter 5, verses 7 and 8 You'll find these words, be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and have long patience for it until he receive the early and latter rain. Thank you, Jesus. And John gets in this conversation. First John chapter two, verse 28. And now little children abide in him that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Abide in him, stay in him, stay saved. Don't let go of your salvation, walk upright. This is, this is what the message is in this, this one verse that I've read uh, and do this so you'll have confidence. You'll be ready when he comes and you won't be ashamed at his coming. In other words, you won't be left behind. 
you won't be left behind. You won't be left behind. Chapter 3, 1 John, verses 2 through 3. Beloved, now we are the sons of God. <laughs> and it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is, my Lord. So these are, and, and the scriptures that I went through, it, it points out uh, especially the anchor scripture that we're using. And remember, the anchor scripture is 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 10 through 18. And we're, we're coming up on five characteristics or marks, things that we can highlight. Five characteristics or marks of a believer's life, a born-again believer's life, in the truth of his return in the practical sense, and, and understand what I'm saying, five characteristics come to light as it relates to our behavior and conduct, the kind of people we ought to be as it relates to his second coming because we want to be ready, and he's coming again. Uh, and it's true. He's coming again. It's true. Put that in the hashtag. It's true. He's coming again. And this hope that I'm just talking about, it's a hope. It's, it's beyond faith. It's a hope. I'm yearning. I'm waiting. I'm expecting. Hallelujah. I believe it. I receive the fact that he saved me and he's coming back for me and he wants me to be with him throughout eternity. This is a practical hope. I didn't just say hope. I put practical in front of it. Practical. Practical. When someone says it's practical, that means it's not a theory. This is not a theory. This is not a theory or a concept that we're talking about. Uh, so I'm referring to a personal idea or a personal, uh, a personal thought. It's personal. Salvation is personal. Uh, and the fact that I'm using the word practical, I am more concerned with the relevancy uh, to practice hands-on. Living holy is a hands-on reality. <laughs> oh my God. Put that in the hashtag. Living holy is a hands-on reality. It's a practice. Listen, when I talk about a doctor's practice, that means that he has graduated. He has graduated from med school he has done everything he's supposed to do right leading up to when he can have his own practice where he's actually putting into action everything that he has learned and that's what living holy is all about it is a practical hands-on reality living holy every single day every moment giving your life to him why? Because I hope, hallelujah, because I trust him. I'm hoping that he will crack the sky any moment. And once he brings me unto himself, because now I'm a son of God, hallelujah. But it doesn't even yet appear what I shall be. But when he appears, I'm going to be like him and I'm going to see him as he is. You better plug in the word. We're going to have some church tonight. I believe it. So, 
I don't care what people say, this thing is relevant. And you should be the same way. Don't change your lifestyle because people are saying that's old fashioned. And I'm not just talking about how sinners deal with you. You got some saints in the church that will criticize you or ridicule you because you are doing your best to please God. Yes, uh, there's a conflict in the church. There's on one side, you have people who will only consider pleasing men. Then you have others who could care less about men and they want to please God. Do you know, if I compare men to God, men change their minds all the time. As soon as they get uncomfortable, as soon as trends change, they switch up. That's why there's so many different doctrines. That's why there's so many different concepts and beliefs. But there's one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. There's no other gospel. That's why Paul told Timothy, preach no other gospel. There's only one way to the Lord, and holiness is that way. And we should be preparing. Hallelujah. So that's why tonight we're talking about the kind of people we ought to be. So let's get into the word. Uh, because if people of God, if we believe that Jesus is coming again, if we believe as born again believers, apostolics, I'll put that word out there. If we believe and listen, Apostolic is not a denomination. I see it all the time on Facebook and people trying to beat us up. Uh, the fact that I say I'm apostolic does not mean that I am in a denomination. Apostolic simply means that I am following the teachings of the apostles. And you say, well, who, whose teaching did they follow? The teachings of Jesus. That's why he pulled them aside. That's why he separated them. Right. His disciples, he appointed 12 and he trained them and taught them and they spread it out. They spread the gospel. And that's all it means. I'm following the teachings of the apostles. That's apostolic. And uh, you say, well, is everybody apostolic? No, everybody's not apostolic. And that's a lesson within itself. So let's go back. That was a quick infomercial. Number one, if we believe that Jesus is coming again soon, then uh, we should seek to live lives that are Christ-like. If we believe it, we should seek to live a life that is Christ-like, not like the world, not mixing this with that, but we should really seek to live a life that is Christ-like. Um, verse 11 of 2 Peter chapter 3 highlights that. Let's go there. I would say verses 11 and 14. Let's read. In verse 11, it says, seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved. In other words, seeing that this world is going to be wiped away. This is going to be a destruction. What manner of persons ought we to be in holy conversation and godliness? When you go down to verse 14, he hits it again. Chapter 3, 2 Peter, verse 14, Wherefore, beloved, seeing that we look for such things. Why are we looking for it? Because we believe God's word. Be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. Now, I want to amplify uh, the English here so you could and pull it out even more. I want to read out of the common English Bible where it talks in our everyday 
language. And verse 11 would sound like this. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be? And he's talking to us. If you know that this world is going to pass away, then think about it. What kind of people ought we to be? You must live holy and godly lives. That's in the Common English Bible. Verse 14 would sound like this. Therefore, dear friends, while you're waiting for these things to happen, make every effort to be found by him in peace, pure, and faultless. So these are the things. We got some work to do. We, we got to come up to the word as people of God. If we really believe that the Lord is coming, then we should be living a Christ-like life. So uh, my immediate reaction would be after hearing this. Um, well, let me put it to you this way. What if, what if you got a phone call and someone told you, that Jesus is coming in two hours. It's hypothetical, but what if, what if the Lord uh, had, had someone call you? Let's say an angel called you, an angel stepped in your living room, or you heard the voice of God, I'm coming in two hours, right? Um, it's hypothetical. Now, many Christians uh, believing that <laughs> they would make haste to get ready in that two-hour time. Listen, they've had, some of them are 20, 30, 40, 50 years old. You've had all that time to live holy. They're going to try to push it in that two-hour time. They would need that two-hour time, two hours. And listen to this. Listen to this list I have. If, if, if someone called you or the Lord spoke into you and said, I'm coming in two hours, you've got to be ready. These are some of the things people would be doing within that two-hour period. Let's have some fun in the Word. Uh, of course, in that two-hour period, because you've been told Jesus is coming to get you in two hours. Two hours, how many people would you have to apologize to? <laughs> you would have to make some apologies. Mm -hmm. I'm going to give you scripture for this. Let's have some fun in the Word. Matthew 5, 23 and 24. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar... And there rememberest that thy brother hath ought against thee. Leave there thy gift before the altar. Remember the scripture. And go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother. And then come and offer thy gift. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The next thing on the list, you have some apologies to make. Jesus is coming. You were told he's coming in two hours, and now you're dialing this one and that one. I apologize. I apologize. I'm sorry. You, you, you know, phones would be ringing all over the place. Debts would have to be paid. Yeah. Romans 13 and 8. Yes, I went there. Owe no man anything. The only thing you should owe somebody is to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. Yeah. Some of you would have to burn some of those books you've been reading. Yeah. All that witchcraft and undermined stuff you've been doing, all that stuff. Some of you would have to burn those things and get rid of it. Acts 19 and 19. Many of them also which use curious arts 
brought their books together and burned them before all men. And they counted the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. You'd have to get rid of all that mess that you've been trying to mix with holiness. Burning candles, right? And reading tarot cards and going to see the soothsayers and mixing that with holiness. How are you going to make it in doing all of that? Yes. You only got two hours left and the Lord is coming. What else? You'd have to make apologies. You'd have to pay some debts. You'd have to burn some of those witchcraft books. Get rid of those spells. He's not coming back for witches and warlocks. He's coming back for a holy people. Yes. And all right. Some of your loved ones would have to be warned. Let's go to Genesis for that. Genesis 19 and 14. And Lot went out and spake unto his sons-in-law, which married his daughters, and said, Up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law. Some, some of us haven't said anything to our loved ones about the fact that you need to get the Holy Ghost. And I know there are a lot of us who are witnessing, uh, but some of us, for some reason, are not saying anything uh, but some of us would use that two-hour period to call or, or run over to our loved one's house and say, you got to get saved. Jesus is coming. Yes, Malachi 3 and 8 talks about the fact that uh, uh, perhaps some of you would have to pay that back tithing. Some of you would be writing checks out <laughs> because you've been robbing God. You've been stealing from God. Malachi 3 and 8, will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. So, two-hour period. Jesus is coming in two hours, and we're talking about, well, uh, these are, are some of the things folks will be trying to cram in those two hours. You'll be apologizing to folk. Mm -hmm. You've been paying off debts. Uh, you've been burning that that those witchcraft books, getting rid of it. You've been warning your loved ones. You'd be writing checks, paying that back tithing. Uh, some of us would be on our knees making confessions. I'm going to take you to Matthew 18, verse 15 and 16. And he touched her hand and the fever left her and she arose and ministered unto them. And... When the even was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick. Mm -hmm. So um, this is a fact, and I may have read the wrong scripture there. I, I have a typo there. I'll come back to it, though. Um, but what if the Lord, and again, we're, we're going back to the fact that um, the Lord is coming. And, and, you know, I gave you a scenario, but the truth is no man knows the hour, no man knows the day. Uh, but what if the Lord, like we said in our first installment, what if the Lord came today? What if he came tonight? And we talked about this being a practical truth, this practical, where, where it's hands-on. We're living holy every day with the expectation that the Lord Jesus is coming. And we've already talked.
talked about the fact that this should be an incentive. This is, this is Peter's reasoning. This should be an incentive for the people of God to live holy. If we're expecting him to come, uh, then we should be desiring to be found spotless and blameless and holiness. I want him to find me living my best life. And you hear that phrase all the time. But to a believer, living my best life means living to please God. Verse 14, remember, 2 Peter 3, 14, Wherefore, beloved, seeing that we're looking for these things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. Let's go to Colossians again, chapter 3, verse um, two through five, it says, set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead in your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. So mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. And he says, stop fornicating. Get rid of all those unclean things. Get rid of that inordinate affection. Right? Uh, because you can't inherit the kingdom of God. No. Uh, evil concupiscence, covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things take the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. Who are the children of disobedience? The people in the church that refuse to let go of the world. People in the church that are mixing the world with living for God and you can't do both you can't live for God and live in the world at the same time you have to let go of the sin and here's the danger in the church because there are some people that feel like um, they can live any way they want to live you can fornicate you can be a homosexual and still make it in but that's not true and I have to tell you the truth as a man of God I have to tell you the truth, and it, that doesn't just go for you, it goes for me. 1 John 2 and 28, and now little children abide in him. We read it before, I'm reading it again, that when he shall appear, ye may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. I don't want to hear the Lord depart, say, depart from me. I don't even know you. Could you imagine the shame? You know, because some of us brag, we've been in the church for years. I, you know, we've lived in the church and done church work for years, 40, 50, 60 years. And could you imagine the shame to stand before him and hear him say, depart from me, I don't know you. I don't, I don't wanna hear those words. These are the words I wanna hear, well done. Thy good and faithful servant, you have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many. Striving to make 199 and a half won't do. Remember that song? <laughs> Lord, I'm running, trying to make 100. My goodness. I wish the organist was here. I'd go and sing that song. I'd sing it for a while, too. We'd have a long lesson tonight. Well, um, let's move on. If we believe now that Jesus is coming again soon, then what, what kind of people ought we to be? The second 
point in, in Peter's writings is if we believe that Jesus is coming, not only should we be living a holy life before the Lord, a Christ-like life, uh, because the coming of the Lord is connected to my behavior and my service. Um, if I live right, heaven belongs to me. Then also, Peter is telling us that we should be more interested in the world to come than the world that we're living in. And I know it's a challenge, but he's saying that our, our interest should be more on what's coming than on what we have. Uh, verse 13, um, the 13th verse of Second Peter chapter 3. Let's read that a little bit. It says, nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth. According to his promise, he promised this, so I'm looking. I want, I want God to do this. So he says, nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. This is our hope. We are, we're looking for it. We're expecting it to happen. This is not to say that, um, that we should not occupy until he comes. This is not a prerequisite to live lazy and not strive to be the best and do the best. No. It simply means that what's coming means much more to me than what I have here. It doesn't mean that I should just settle, that I shouldn't work, hallelujah, that I should just beg. No. He said, I'll make you the head and not the tail. Most, um, most of us um, that really trust and believe the Lord understand these things. Um, but there's another side that says there, there are some of us also who are so uh, heavenly minded that we're not any earthly good. Uh, so there, there has to be a balance. But you always have in your spirit knowing that heaven is better than all of this. So no matter how much money you have, my salvation is more valuable than what's in my bank account. My salvation is more valuable than the house I live in. My salvation is more valuable than the fur coat. So set your affections on things above. And while we're here, we should be shining as lights. Matthew 5 and 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. And glorify your father which is in heaven. We are the salt of the earth. Remember what he said again? Jesus is talking, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is henceforth good for nothing but to be cast out, trodden under foot of men. So um, we have to remember while we're here, and you've heard me say it before, that this world is not our home. I have a nice house. I have, I think I have a nice car. It's, it's not a, it's not, well, I won't say Mercedes. It's not a Maybach or it's not a Maserati, but it gets me where I need to go. And if I wash it, it looks just as good as anybody's car. Hallelujah. Put some gas in it and it's a go, go, go. But what God has for me is even greater than what I drive or what I wear. 
Uh, we are citizens of heaven. Put it, put it, put it in the hashtag. I'm a citizen of heaven. Yes. Philippians 3 and 20. I'm going to read it in the common English Bible. Philippians 3rd chapter 20th verse. Our citizenship is in heaven. <laughs> we look forward to a savior that comes from there. The Lord Jesus Christ. I shall descend from heaven. With the shout. The voice of the archangel and the trump of God shall sound. Paul says, my citizenship is in heaven. Yes, I'm here walking around Greece and I'm, I'm preaching at all these churches, but I am a citizen of heaven. Yes, I'm Roman. I have, I have certain rights uh, as a Roman citizen, but my citizenship is in heaven. I live in Maryland. My church is in D.C. and my church is in the Bronx. Yes, but... Uh, you call me an Amer American citizen. I have a passport, but uh, my my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus blood and his righteousness. I'm a citizen of heaven. And Paul writes it down. He puts it in writing and he says our citizenship is in heaven. And we look forward to a savior that comes from there. The Lord Jesus Christ. Can I get an Amen. Mm -hmm. Some people look upon us uh, and say we're crazy uh, because we, we believe that this world is doomed. Hallelujah. But this world has turned away from God. Sin uh, has done a job on this world and he saved me so I wouldn't be destroyed with the world. Uh, hallelujah. And they say we're pessimistic, but, but no, we're really optimistic because we have a hope that goes beyond all of this. Hallelujah. And we are looking for the coming of my Lord. I am looking to be with him. And I tell you what I'm not looking for. I don't want to go through that tribulation period. I want to be with Jesus. Oh, I want to see him and look upon his face and to sing forever of his saving grace. And on the streets of glory, I want to lift my voice home at last cares are past ever to rejoice. So I'm looking forward to all of that. Yes, and I'm looking forward to, as John said, hallelujah, being with the Lord and seeing that new heaven and that new earth. Hallelujah. So I'm glad that he loosed me from sin, set me free from my bondage and the pleasures of this world. Let's go to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21. And Jesus says these words. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon the earth where the moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up yourselves treasures in heaven, whether neither moth nor rust nor corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also <laughs> Jesus was hitting hard let's go back to Titus chapter 2 verses 12 through 13 teaching us again we've read it before that denying ungodliness and worldly lust we should live soberly righteously and godly in this present world looking for that blessed hope and the glorious hope and the glorious appearing rather of the great God and our Savior Jesus 
Christ. So now let's move forward. Um, if we really believe that the Lord is coming and we know that his coming and the fact whether or not I'm going with him is connected to my behavior, my conduct and my service, then um, as we forestated, uh, then my, I should be living a Christ-like life. The second point or second characteristic should be the fact that my interest, my heart should be yearning for the world that is to come. And it should mean more to me, no matter how far I get in this society, I'm sorry, no matter how much I gain in this world, it doesn't mean anything compared to what's coming. Paul said, I count it all done. Hallelujah. What God has for me is much greater than any accomplishment I've had, have tried or have gathered to myself or accomplished. And also now, if we believe that Jesus is coming again soon, then um, the church should have a deep concern for the salvation of those who are not ready. And this is powerful uh, because what Peter, even back then, is uncovering is, okay, we're excited now, and you should be excited about Jesus uh, is coming soon, uh, but don't shut down your testimony or don't shut down your mission to win souls. Don't have the attitude, well, I got mine. You got to go somewhere and get yours where you don't tell anybody. Uh, don't you want to see people saved? Uh, it, it's time even now because you see it today uh, where it seems like people don't, don't really care about souls. They don't, they don't, they don't. They don't care about souls. They don't, they don't have a, a yearning or a love for souls. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you something. When I was growing up as a child, uh, it, it seemed like the mothers and missionaries and the saints didn't want to leave church. And I'm going to tell you why. Because there was always somebody on the altar. And they would stay there with you. I mean, for hours after church. It, it was like, and wouldn't complain, wouldn't fuss. Uh, as a matter of fact, when I was tiring for the Holy Ghost, I fell asleep. I was a young teenager. I fell asleep. Do you know the mothers and the missionaries that were with me, they didn't even wake me up. I don't know how long I slept. I don't know if I snored. But I tell you, when I opened my eyes, when I woke up, the mother looked me in the face and said, all right, son, let's go back to it. <laughs> my God, what patience. What love, and I mean she said it with love. She didn't fuss at me. She didn't argue with me. She just said, all right, son, let's go back. The Lord loves you. He's going to save you. I don't know how long. Uh, and I do know the, the enemy fights you when those who are tiring for the Holy Ghost things happen. Uh, but she was patient and kind and loving, and she worked with me, that same mother, uh, Mother Collins prayed with me. She was there when I got the Holy Ghost. It was a Sunday night. Hallelujah. And she said those famous missionary words. Three words. Hallelujah. Press your way. <laughs> and I got the Holy Ghost that night. And I know what the songwriter meant when he said, I looked at my hands and they looked new. Looked at my feet and they did too. And I'll tell you something else. I had to learn that once you get the Holy Ghost, you got to hold on to the Holy Ghost. 
and you have to live holy before the Lord and hold on to your salvation. The same Holy Spirit, hallelujah, that rose Jesus from the dead shall quicken your mortal bodies. I feel this in my spirit. So if we believe that Jesus is coming again, then another characteristic that we should have and really embrace is the salvation of those who are not ready to meet him. Let's go to verse 9. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us. He's patient towards us. Why is he so patient? Why is the Lord so patient? Why is the Lord so merciful? And, and Peter hits it. He says, uh, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Now, this scripture comes to my mind sometimes when I'm fussing. You know, people do you wrong. Uh, and you see people doing whatever they want to do. Say, Lord, why don't you just get them? Why don't you just knock them out? Uh, and this scripture comes to mind that the Lord is long-suffering. And the same mercy that you want for yourself, God extends to others also. Yes, he does. God is long-suffering towards us because he does not want any of us to perish, but that all should repent that you should come to repentance. So every time you get up, my brother, my sister, every time you get up in the morning, it's another opportunity to repent. If you haven't given your life to him, if you've been playing church, if you've been in and out. Mm -hmm. I grew up with people that were in and out, in one year, out the next year. And some of them didn't make it back in. Got to a point uh, where they got out there and couldn't make it back got out there and lost their life but they knew the truth uh, and it didn't happen right away God was patient towards them and he's giving you an opportunity I don't know who I'm talking to now but he's giving you an opportunity I don't care who you are preacher missionary deacon if you've been playing church God is giving you another opportunity he's been patient towards you he's been patient towards us giving us an opportunity to come to repentance. I'm going to read it one more time. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any man should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So we should have a concern about those who have not received salvation. I'm going to say even the backslider. We need to start reaching out to them. Come back. Come back to the Lord. Make your calling and your election sure. Make your calling and election sure. The 15th verse, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 also, it says, An account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. He wants you to be saved. He wants us to be saved. Why? Because he's coming back for his people. The account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, has written unto you. Mm -hmm. So we should have a deep concern. Remember the scripture we quoted all the time, John 
You don't even have to go there. You can, you can say it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We should share, continue to share this word with everyone we see, all of your family, everybody in your household. Tell them Jesus saves. Everybody, tell them Jesus saves. Jesus wants you saved. Jesus is coming back again, right? And, and look at all of the signs that are around us. <laughs> you should know by now that these are the last days. All the signs of the times are telling us. All of the signs of the times are telling us that the coming of the Lord is near. Something should be snapping in your spirit. And let's, let me tell you this, there is an influx of souls coming in, people. There are sinners out there, hallelujah, that know the word. We're in church at one time. There are backsliders out there that know the Lord and they see it and they're running back to the house of God. But what I don't want is those of us who are already in here to miss what's happening also. Even the saints that are not where they should be. You have an opportunity to come to repentance because Jesus is coming soon. James 5 and 8. Be ye also patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Luke 13 and 27. But he shall say, I tell you, I know you not. Listen. Listen to what Jesus, this is Jesus saying. But he shall say, I tell you, I know you not whence ye are. Depart from me, all ye workers of iniquity. Is this what you want to hear? When, when, that, when that day comes, and I read that for a reason. That's not, and I said it earlier. I don't want to hear those words. And this, this is Jesus talking. And then he says there's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You don't want to hear me now. This is what he's saying to the, the Sadducees and the Pharisees and those who are ridiculing him. You don't want to hear me now. Hallelujah. And, and there are those of you who are going through the motions, and I'm paraphrasing. Uh, and I'm going to read a, a little earlier than this. Then shall ye begin to say, we have eaten and drunk in thy presence, and thou hast taught in our streets. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and the Lord is... is talking back to them and says, listen, uh, some of you are going to hear these words, depart from me, ye worker of iniquity. And when you hear those words, there's going to be a whole lot of upset people. They're going to be crying. They're going to be gnashing their teeth, which means they're going to be so angry. And some people, they're going to be angry at God as, as if it's, it's his fault. When you've got all of this time, to get it right. You've got all of this time. And there are souls that need to come to the Lord. Hallelujah. So not only do we need to bring them into the ark, but those of us who are already in the ark need to make sure that we're right with God because we do not want to hear those words. Depart from me, ye worker of iniquity. I don't want to hear those words. Hmm. Listen, I want to read another uh, scripture because what's come to my mind also is that uh, we should use every opportunity, 
every opportunity to bring the gospel to those uh, who need it. Bring the gospel. And listen, um, there are a lot of people who need it, but it doesn't necessarily mean they know that they need it. Bring it to them. Bring them the word. Tell them the word. They need it desperately. They need it desperately. And this is the time to do it. Yep, even in the pandemic, get on that phone. <laughs> get on that cell phone. Uh, text them. Email them. Any way you can, tell people that Jesus is coming. You need to be saved. You encourage them. You need to stay saved. You need to get closer to the Lord. Say not ye. Listen. Verse 35 of St. John, the Gospel of John, chapter 4, verse 35. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already. Stop sitting around saying, I'm going to wait to do this. I'm going to wait. No. Jesus was telling them that the harvest is ripe already. Now is the time. Jesus is coming. I know he's coming and I want you to make it in. So if we really believe it, then the church ought to be more diligent in witnessing to souls and getting them prepared. Rapture preparation. Salvation is needed. The next thing, and I'm hastening on. Um, I just had a thought. I want to go back to the fact that before I go to the next point, because it just came to me that, again, that for some reason we are so busy with programs and and this is and, and, you know, my mind is just racing. It's not in my notes, but this, I think, is part of. The purpose behind us being shut in because we have been so attached to our buildings, our programs, our titles, uh, the money, the this, the that, um, where perhaps along the way many have lost their concern for souls. Um, And it's important, and, and this is where the Lord has, has brought me. And, and a question just popped back in my spirit because the question was asked last week. I, I saw it in the comment section, but I was moving so fast that I didn't hit it. I was talking about the 10 virgins in there, right? Uh, in my lesson last week, talking about the promise of his coming. Uh, and we hit the fact that Uh, There are people in the church that really have the Holy Ghost, and then there are those in the church that have empty vessels. They they have a lamp, but no oil in the lamp. And the question was asked, uh, what happened to the five virgins that didn't make it in? Because he said to them, when they knocked on the door, he shut the door, they came. The five virgins that had oil made it in to see the bridegroom. But the five virgins, right, and the kingdom of God is like 10 virgins. So the church, five, 50% of the church was ready when Jesus came. And someone asked the question, a young lady asked the question, well, what happened to the five that did not make it? They had no oil. The, the, the Bible says the door was shut. 
for those in the church who do not make the rapture when the bridegroom comes and the door is shut, right? And yes, people will be running to the altar. People will be coming to church crying, trying to make it. And remember uh, the hypothetical situation I set up. If, if the Lord told you I'm coming in two hours, you would cram all of this stuff. But it'll be too late after Jesus comes to take his children out of here. It's going to be catastrophic for the world because they're going to be saved people on airplanes. God forbid if the pilot has the Holy Ghost when the rapture comes, he's going to disappear. Who's going to fly the plane? The plane cannot stay on automatic pilot forever. Who's going to be flying the plane? People are going to be on the bus and Jesus comes. Anybody on that bus that has the Holy Ghost will disappear. What if the bus driver has the Holy Ghost? Who's going to drive the bus? Who's driving the bus? You're driving your car. And that person driving the car has the Holy Ghost. Driving next to somebody that don't have the Holy Ghost. Or a person in front and stopping on a, at a red light doesn't have the Holy Ghost. And the person behind them has the Holy Ghost. Who's going to stop that car? So there's going to be accidents. They're going to, it's going to be catastrophic. But for us, it's going to be joyous. And we had all of this time. People are going to be in church. Shouting and dancing. And the rapture may come while they're in service. Some will be taken. Some will be left in the building. What side do you want to be on? And do you want to hear him say, well done? Or do you want to hear him say, depart from me, I know you not. So if you don't have any oil, get some oil. Those five that didn't have any oil, and I'm taking time to answer that question, they didn't make it in. That means if you don't make it in, you will have to go through tribulation period. And that's another lesson. That's another lesson. Um, because there's a segment, there's a part in that tribulation period for those who do not take the mark of the beast, right? And the stage is set up for that now. Bill Gates wants, wants everybody to have a chip insert. In certain countries, they're already inserting the chip in infants, newborn babies. Chip will either be here or the chip will be in your palm. And once that one world government, there's already a one world currency set up, right? They're already setting it up. The only way that you'll be able to travel or purchase, you'll have to have the mark. And it doesn't mean necessarily mean the number 666 on your head. It could be the digit 666 in that chip. Just the thought. I'll move on to the fourth point. I'm almost through. If we believe that Jesus is coming again, then uh, we should be steadfast. We should be steadfast in the midst of the worsening conditions of this world. I know that's a lot, but if we really believe that our Lord is coming, then here's another characteristic. You should be steadfast in these worsening conditions, and it's getting worse. Verse 17 comments on that. 2 Peter 3, 17 says these words, ye therefore beloved seeing ye know these things 
You know these things before, Peter's saying. You already know this. You've been taught this. It should be in your heart. Mm -hmm. Beware, lest you also being led away with the error of the wicked fall from your own steadfastness. This is then, and Peter's he's talking some some hard stuff. Now you know all of these things. Don't let anybody pull you away from what you believe. Don't let anybody confuse you. Don't be stirred away into error. Now is not the time to change your doctrine. Now is not the time to lower your standard. Now is not the time to mix anything with your salvation. Hallelujah. Don't be led away with the error of the wicked. Don't fall from your own steadfastness. Remember what Paul said in Corinthians, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know, your labor is not in vain. That verse comes right after. He talks about the fact that we're going with Jesus. You shall be changed. We shall not all sleep. We shall all be changed. Those who remain will be changed in the twinkling moment, in the twinkling of an eye. He goes through all of that. Then he tells you to be steadfast. Why? Because I want you to be ready when Jesus comes. He said, instead of being led astray, instead of choosing the side of the wicked, he says, grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I want to read our Old Testament scripture uh, because we can make it, although Times have gotten worse, and it's bad, and things look bad with this virus, although uh, there's a vaccination, there's vaccines coming out, uh, but people have lost a lot. People have lost jobs, including the saints. Uh, but listen, we have a hope beyond all of this. Jesus might come right in the midst of this pandemic, and we still got to be ready. But in the midst of this Peter is saying, if you really believe this, then you will remain steadfast. You will hold on, hold on, hold on. I don't know who I'm talking to. Hold on. Put it in the comment section. Hashtag hold on. Because Isaiah, Isaiah said, chapter 26 of Isaiah, verse 3, thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in and we should expect things to get bad you should expect things to get rough yes but we have this promise God will keep us in perfect peace if we keep our minds stayed on him yes because I trust in the Lord listen to this verse 4 is powerful too trust ye in the Lord forever <laughs> for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength my last point and I'm getting ready to close I don't want to hold you too much longer my last point if if we believe that Jesus is coming again then um, we should desire to grow in grace that's the last thing Peter says then we should have a desire to grow in grace and in the knowledge of him. This is what the 18th verse suggests. 2 Peter 3.18. Grow in grace 
and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. So I have to say, I'm going to go old school now. We have to make sure that we really know Jesus as our Savior. And, and this is what we mean. You remember when we do altar call and you hear the preacher say, and sometimes you, even in the sermon, uh, not only would he say, make sure your calling is election sure, but he'll say, do you really know him as your savior? That's, that's an old fashioned way of the old folks saying, oh, do you, are you saved? Do you have the Holy Ghost? Right? Do you know him as your savior? Do you know him as a friend? Hallelujah. Do you know him as your Lord? That, that means are you saved? Are you living holy? And are you following his word? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. If not, you need to get to know the Lord. And I pray if you have anyone that's not saved sitting in the living room listening to this with you, young man, young woman, whoever you are, Jesus is coming. And you need the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And I'm talking to the church now um, because Peter in his discussion is saying, knowing that the Lord is coming, for those of us who know Jesus, this is the kind of people, these are the kinds of individuals we should be. But if you don't know him, if you don't know him, I'm going to let Job speak to you tonight. I'm going to let Job say this to you verse 21 of the 22nd chapter of the book of Job. I love this verse. It says, acquaint now thyself with him and be at peace. Thereby good shall come unto thee. Get acquainted with him now. <laughs> I, I could have used a New Testament scripture, but I love this verse in Job where it says, acquaint thyself now Get to know him now. Get the Holy Ghost now. Get saved now. Hallelujah. Say yes to the Lord now. And some of you saints watching me, you need to say yes too. Some of you need to go back to your first works because Jesus is coming. What kind of people ought we to be? Saved, holy, working in the kingdom, witnessing the souls, doing everything. If you know him, then I'm going to push it. If you know him, if you say you know him, how much do you know him? How much do you know Jesus? <laughs> Put that in a comment section. Put that question there. Hashtag, how much do you know him? John 14 and 9, Jesus saith unto him, and he's talking to his, his own disciple, this is what Jesus said because they, he thought they knew him. Who do men say that I am? Mm -hmm. um, and here, Philip asked him a question. Uh, and this is what uh, pushed Jesus to say what he said. Philip said unto him, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. But Jesus said, have I been so long with you that you don't know? You don't know me, Philip? And I hear the Lord saying to a lot of us in the church, have you been in church all this time and you don't know who I am? 
that what that means really is you're not as close to me as you should be. You don't know me like you should. And this, this is appropriate, especially in light of the fact that the Lord is coming. He is coming. How well or how much do you know him? Uh, and do you share the ambition of Paul? Do you share the ambition of Paul where he says in Philippians 3 and 10 that I may know him? And the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. I read something uh, a while ago uh, that was talking about what people say all the time, church people. Uh, you know, they say, Lord, I, I want to be your hands. I want to be your feet. And it sounds good, but the, the writer uh, that I was reading from he said this in his article. He said, people say that I want to be your hands. I want to be your feet, Lord Jesus. But they forget that they put nails in his hands. They put nails in his feet. And if we really want to be like Jesus, if we really want to be close to him, then you have to realize we're going to go through some things because we're being conformed. We're being shaped in the image of his dear son. And Paul understood this. He said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection because whatever I go through, he's able to bring me out, able to raise me up and the fellowship of his suffering. This verse right here is one of the verses that proves that Jesus didn't come and preach a prosperity gospel the apostles, the apostolic teaching is not about prosperity. It's not about how much money you can get. If you suffer with him, you'll reign with him. Hallelujah. They who would live godly will suffer persecution. It's not going to be easy for us because of who we are. Hallelujah. Yes, some of us will have money in our pockets. Yes, uh, some of us will live in mansions. Yes, some of us will. Some of us can handle it. Some of us can't. But that's not why he saved me. <laughs> Hallelujah. He saved me so I can go back with him. Hallelujah. So this is the way we grow in grace. The way to grow in grace. The way to grow in grace and to know him better is to be alone with him. To spend time with him. Hallelujah. 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 We were spending a lot of time. Just because you spend a lot of time in the building. Don't mean you spend a lot of time with him. I'm going to say it again. Just because. You spent a lot of time in that church building. Does not mean. You spend a lot of time alone with him. You want to grow in grace and in the knowledge, you got to spend alone time with the Lord. You got to have that one-on-one -on -one relationship with God, right? Some of us know people better than we know God. And now that we've been out of the building, we haven't been in the building like we've been in our homes, we've been shut in. This was a perfect time for you to get closer to the Lord. He might come before this pandemic is over. Matthew Six and six. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. You don't have a choir in the choir stand. We don't 
We don't have a, a whole big prayer line because we're not in the building like we used to be. But now you're in the, shut it in your home. You're in the privacy of your home. Turn that house into a sanctuary. Go into that closet. Yes, literally. If your closet is big enough, go in that closet and pray. Or kneel at the couch. Hallelujah. But get closer to the Lord. He's coming. You should have a desire to grow in grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. So I'm helping you in order for us to grow in grace and to know him means that we got to spend more alone time with him. Yes. And he'll reward us openly. But we need to spend alone time with him. And and we need to meditate constantly upon his word. So here's the secret. Here is how we grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We got to spend alone time with him. We got to be in prayer. We got to talk to him. We got to converse and communicate with him. Spend that quality time with Jesus. And we have to meditate daily, constantly, consistently on his word. Remember what David said in the 119th Psalm and the 97th verse. He says, oh, how love I thy law. I love your word, Lord. It's my meditation all the day. Hallelujah. He says something else that's powerful. He said, through your commandments, through the word that I read and meditate on, you've made me wiser than my enemies. <laughs> I know things other people don't know. And one of the things I know is that my Redeemer liveth. Hallelujah. I know as a child of God that Jesus is coming back. I know as a child of God that if I live right before him, I'll spend eternity with him. What kind of people ought we to be in light of the fact that Jesus is coming again? What kind of people ought we be? We should love the Lord with all of our heart. We should have a love for souls. Hallelujah. We should be living a holy and upright life before the Lord. Yes, we should be not only concerned about souls, hallelujah, but we should be steadfast. We should be holding on, although things around us are getting worse. We should be holding on to our salvation, continuing to work and to be what God wants us to be, continue to be where God wants us to be, and continue to be who God wants us to be. And we should be growing in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, growing in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And we accomplish this through spending quality time with our Lord. And by meditating constantly and consistently on his word. Getting into his word so his word will get in to us. I'm going to stop. But I love you so much. And I want to pray a special prayer for those of us uh, who really see the need to get closer to the Lord. Hallelujah. 
see the need to get closer to the Lord. And for those of you who don't know him yet in the pardon of your sin, now is your opportunity. It's an opportunity for both saint and sinner. For those who don't know him to get to know him. And for those of us who already are in the ark of safety to get even closer to him. I don't want anything hindering me. I want to be able to take off when my Jesus comes. So I want to, to join me in this prayer. Yes, and, and before we pray, there are others that may come to your mind uh, or drop in your spirit. I want to take this time to develop a rolling prayer list. So I want to give you time to put their names in the comment section. As a matter of fact, you might want to tag them and let them know that GRTDC uh, and RTA getting ready to go into prayer. The people of God who are on this line, people of God who are connected to this Bible study, we're getting ready to pray for them also that God would save, heal, and deliver. That God would bring us even closer to him as we draw closer to him. Hallelujah. Because the Bible says if I draw nigh to him, he'll draw nigh unto me. And pray that we have a mind to see Jesus. Hallelujah. Reach out to that screen if you please. Or squeeze that smartphone. And let's pray. Father in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Anything in us that you see that should not be. Take it away. We want to be ready when you come Lord. Hallelujah. We thank you for your word. Help us to be the people that we ought to be in these last and evil days. Those who are listening and watching who are not saved, I pray that you fill them with the precious gift of the Holy Ghost. Even now, fill them with the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost and power. Hallelujah. And those, O oh God, saints that have connected, Lord, help us to be the people we ought to be. Saved, sanctified, Holy Ghost filled. Hallelujah. Seeking and hallelujah. Witnessing to souls. Glory to God. Looking for your return. Hoping for your return. Touch us one by one. We want to be ready when you come. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray that you'd step into every living room, every car, every space that's connected tonight. And touch right now. I feel your spirit, Lord. Help us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, if you want to be baptized in Jesus' name, reach out to us, admin at grtdc.org. doesn't matter where you are in this country. If you're in the D.C. area, uh, of course, admin at grtdc.org or wherever you are, send us that request. I want to be baptized and we will connect you to a ministry that will baptize you in Jesus' name. If you're in the New York area, of course, um, you can still send that request, grtdc, uh, admin at grtdc.org, uh, and we'll get the word up there, the Refuge Temple Annex, uh, yes, uh, and we'll make sure that you're baptized in Jesus' name. That you can be anywhere in the world and we will connect you to a ministry. Uh, that will baptize you in that wonderful name. Why the name? Because there's no other name given unto men whereby men must be saved. The name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. 
the Lord bless you. Now, if you want to make a donation, want to pay your tithes, uh, give an offering to this ministry, I want to give you some time to do that uh, in this segment. Our technician will put that information on uh, the screen for you. Uh, of course, you can download the app on your phone. You can download the app. Uh, it's called Ministry One. Ministry One app. Download that app. Look for Greater Refuge Temple of Washington, D.C. Don't know if you can see it. All right. Go on that app. Press on giving. Uh, and then you can set it up where you can give. Uh, you can also uh, get a listing of sermons. Sermons and Bible studies are on this app also. Uh, this is Sunday morning's message. Uh, you have all that at the palm of your hand. And sometime uh, this week, tonight's Bible study will be at the palm of your hand. All of that is in the app. Uh, and you can give through that. Those of you who are in the New York area, um, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut area, or uh, in the Bronx, Refuge Temple Lanix, you may use Givelify. Go to Givelify, look for Refuge Temple Lanix, and you may give your offering. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. Give you peace. We are anxious already to get together for next week. Um, my mind is racing. Uh, I want to see you already. I can't wait for next week. But until then, there are three things I want you to do. Be careful, be prayerful, and be holy. Shalom, shalom.